El Natural. Yeah. It grows on your face for a reason, doesn't it? And would you date a girl who has a beard? Depends. Does, is it better than my beard? It's contentious. If it's better than my beard, I, I could yeah. get a bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good to start. I'm nervous for this. I understand why you are quite anxious about your one, Hamish. Yeah, you fucking can't. Now you know how it feels. You're like, oh, it's just another episode. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here goes nothing. So, hi, everyone. I am Tam. I am a friend of Aaron Hamish's and today for this very special edition of The Third Wheel, I will be co-hosting along with Hamish and this is a special episode because it's actually for Aaron's birthday. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Aaron. I'm awesome and big, big fan of the podcast. So really, really excited to be on The Third Wheel. Um... Been a lifelong dream for about ten months or something since the beginning. I don't know, but yeah, that's me. We switched up for you, Aaron, because you switched up for me. I decided to go, you know, tip for tat, and we're doing the same for you. Okay, so we're gonna start with. So we have two sets of questions. We have our set of questions, and then ask the ones from Instagram. So I guess Tam can go with our set of questions first, if you want to just ask. Okay, brilliant. I'm really excited about this. So they're going to be really, really random, and I want you to answer sort of like as quick as possible. So don't think too much. Okay. Quick. Yeah, yeah, quick. Okay. So first question is: Would you eat a banana if it meant getting with someone that you're interested in slash chirping? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Aaron doesn't like bananas. I've seen him literally I hate throw, yeah. throw up by listening. Oh gosh! But for the traps, you do it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm gonna go to one of the Instagram questions now. The first one is: Are you a fuckboy? No. Okay. <laughs> question over. <laughs> Anyone who knows me, like, or it's been around me for more than ten minutes, would know I'm not a fuckboy. And maybe they're just checking before they slide into your DMs. You yeah. never know. <laughs> People tell yeah. me a lot of the time they always think Aaron is a gallist, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, gallus? oh, he looks like that. But sadly, the sad truth is. No, I, I think we talk about it quite a bit on the podcast, but I feel like it's more ironically than anything yeah. serious. So, yeah. all next right. One. Next one is quite simple blondes or brunettes? Oh, this. this oh, <laughs> I, I do not care. I literally do not give a shit. <laughs> anything with a vagina, you're like, yes, that's fine. Uh, that's literally the honest answer. No, just pick one, man. No, I'd, I'd, I'd say like probably it used to be blonde. Hey. Maybe like I'm talking like primary school when I would have like crush or something. Right. But yeah. as I've grown up, I've been like, okay, no, I don't give a shit. Okay. But history probably says brunette. All right. <laughs> the next question is, what's the best and worst thing about lockdown? And what's your favorite memory of our antics at uni? This is by Armina, aka Means Beans 14. I don't know. Best is probably just... I haven't felt like forced to do anything, maybe, I guess. It's been kind of like, you don't have to do anything, basically. Mm. It's rural and lockdown. So, yeah, if that makes sense. I don't know if that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's this idea yeah. of like, when you're not in lockdown, when everything's so busy, it's almost like you have to like either do the stuff or come up with excuses to not do the stuff. Whereas here, it's just like, well, you can't go out anyway. So it's quite, it takes that yeah. pressure off. Yeah. And worst thing, I, w- I would say the worst thing is just like not seeing people, but I'm kind of like, I feel like I've kind of just dealt with it well, as in it's not the end of the world, you know what I mean? If I don't see you for like a little while. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one was university antics that we got up to. I don't know, it's probably just us like going like 
I'd probably say second year. Second year was peak. We'd go like smack or Kelsey's and then come back and then just like talk in our kitchen for like ages or something. But yeah, I was actually thinking because this time last year was actually when Armina, Hamish and Tom Baxter actually came to visit me in San Francisco, which is a cool coincidence. Well, not a coincidence because it was for my birthday, but or kind of linked to my birthday. But yeah. Okay. Next question. If there is. Yeah, there is. There is. Okay. All right. So the next question is, what meal would you cook to impress a potential person that you're seeing, you're dating, chapsing, whatever you want to call it? Have I not spoken to them before? Because I'd probably try and get like a hint. Okay. So let's say if you hadn't, if you hadn't spoken to them before. Pro- probably uh, nachos. And I say nachos, nachos. and not nachos. So right. at me. If I'm... <laughs> Oh that's, that's, that's just my go-to that's my speciality so like that would be the obviously it's not the most like romantic dish or it's quite messy but it tastes good right okay so that would probably be yeah my go-to yeah but is that a meal though you haven't tasted my nachos because that's a meal that's a meal and a half right okay <laughs> this one from instagram is from yashas Modambai, and it's do you miss the mice in leamington no man if you haven't heard this story go listen to episode one from yash's episode but me and him in fourth year lived together and we basically lived in mice because there were mice under our floorboard for like pretty much the whole year and we could hear them and kept me awake at night but yeah answer to that is no straight no all right (laughs) um okay so this is I personally think it's an interesting question. So if your ex slash people that you've dated in the past had to leave a review about you, what do you think that they would say? Oh, man. Not what you hope they'd say, but what do you actually think they'd say? <laughs> like, funny, but not six foot. So- <laughs> <laughs> um, probably just like, oh, I don't know, sweet... I don't know. Maybe like tries too hard, potentially. I th- I think it might be like you know like too sweet. Do you know what I mean? Like too nice. Right. Okay. But I think I think that's that. I don't know. Oh gosh. Probably probably complaining about my nachos. To be fair. Yeah, Dude, she was if vegan. You say she? nachos once more time. I swear. Oh, yeah, no, to no. That, that, that's how they say it in Mexico though. <laughs> yeah, right? but do they though? I hope. <laughs> do they though? I don't know. I haven't been, but I imagine they do. Wow. Okay. It sounds more authentic. <laughs> okay moving swiftly on the final question for me is um what is one song that you would recommend to a potential love interest person you're seeing chaps and whoever whatever set the scene as well okay so all right set so the you're scene, in, like you're, location you're, you're, no 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 like let's see like you're in bed you're texting you know and it's like you know you've gotten that conversation where it's like okay you know i can see that there's a potential like this has potential to go somewhere and you start doing that thing where you're like sending each other songs right so what is that Mm -hmm. song that you're going to send to her or you know him or whoever your partner will be to sort of make like either something that you really like or to remind them of you or to introduce them to a certain genre you know and they're going to listen to it and they're going to be like oh my gosh i love this guy so much go on (laughs) okay let me let me just look at my messages (laughs) (laughs) don't read her name out i think oh no this this okay this this is a like don't don't like read too much into this there's there's a song called don't know much right yeah if if i say a bit of the lyrics for you you're gonna like cringe but who's that go on say the lyrics this isn't it's so it goes it's by a guy called aaron neville 
thing and the story is that i was named after him so i that would probably be like a just like a i don't know a cool bit of information you know i'll check out this song i was named after him it's not like one of my favorite songs but it's just like a cool kind of fact but the song goes because he has a really distinctive voice that was why apparently i was named after him my dad just really liked his voice and it was just like i don't know much but i know i love you Oh. Can it be? And then it just goes on, whatever. If but, you said um, that the first song, that's mad. <laughs> no, no, but that's more of like, there's a reason I'm sending that song. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, oh yeah, listen to the lyrics because that's how I'm feeling right now kind of thing. It's more like, yeah. In addition to the song answer, yeah. actually, I'd also, well, not well, also, whatever, a cover. I like sending covers of songs. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay like, that, like, like cool that. covers. So that's like, like a bit unique. Like, oh, here's a song you already know, but did you know it? Yeah. This yeah. Way? Like, especially if they just sent me a song and I knew there was a cover for that song that I really liked, I'd probably like send them, oh, check out the cover for this. Even ones on like X Factor or America's Got Talent or Australia's The Voice. Like, I go all over the world to find some of those. Wait, what got you into listening to covers so much? Because I know you listen to so many more covers than anyone I know. It's just like, playing um or learning the guitar and then you kind of a lot of covers are more acoustic based i just really like it when they like switch it up completely like don't actually copy the song so it just sounds exactly the same so like a lot of like fast-paced songs if they just slow it down i quite like that or a lot of like males covering female songs i quite like that just gives it a different kind of twist and the other way around interesting so i was thinking you've given a tribute to aaron neville so I don't know if you wanted to continue on to a tribute for Marcus Rashford, our king. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's been something pretty new I wanted to talk about. Like, so as most people know, I'm a huge Man United fan. Like, as we're recording this, I've literally got Man United playing on my iPad next to me. And for those who don't know, like the backstory to this, Marcus Rashford is a 22-year-old football player. And the government, I might ha- have some like my facts wrong on this, so just correct me. But I believe the government decided to cancel the program, which allowed children from low-income families to free school meals through like the voucher system, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Marcus Rashford wrote an open letter to like MPs and the prime minister, I think, basically campaigning for them to make a U-turn and go back on their decision and... Basically, they listened to him, made the U-turn, and now it's been extended, the program. Yeah. And, and that was also for summer holidays, just to add in there. So, like, it wouldn't be just during term time. So, last year, did it include summer holidays? I actually have no idea on that. Okay. But, yeah, it's, it's just something like, when it was all happening, I actually got pretty emotional about all of it. Because he this is a guy who I've basically followed since he was, like, 16 years old. He made his debut for May Night at, like, 18, scored on his debut, on his England debut he scored... Europa League debut, F- maybe FA Cup debut, I'm not sure, Premier League debut, Derby debut, everything. And he's now 22 years old and he's made like such an impact. And and especially times like when footballers get like really bad raps, he's just like genuinely a hero. I made a tweet about like, if you're allowed to have heroes that are younger than you, because it almost feels like I'm older than Marcus Rashford, but like I look up to him because mm-hmm. of just his a role model really i think that term gets thrown around quite a lot but he's just and just even without all of that he um without the open letter he wrote i think he raised 20 million just before that for i've got it here 
Uh, he raised £20 million for Fair Share, which is a charity fighting hunger and food waste. In October, he did a lot of work for homeless people in Manchester. And this is just like a 22-year-old athlete who like doesn't need to do all that, but he's using his platform for like good. I, I just felt like massively proud of the guy just from someone who are like, I'm really proud of him for like what he's done on the football pitch. Don't get me wrong. I'll be gassed when he scores a winner for England at next year's Euro final or top bins volley for my United and Champions League final. But this is next level. Yeah. No, I, I think what he's done is amazing. I think that what he's done is so important and so necessary, but it's so upsetting that he's had to do it as well. I think that that's the thing is that we're, we should celebrate such figures and such figures are so important, but isn't it so upsetting that there's literally a footballer saying, look, like I've been through this poverty, I've been through this experience, like writing this open letter and doing this campaigning just to get the government to feed hungry children. Like, yeah. gobsmacked, really. I mean, I'm not surprised, but, you know. Yeah, before they made the U-turn as well, like, it was funny because they straight up said no like the day before they made it as well. Yeah. And then they also called him Daniel on the day after. They called him like yeah, Daniel, Daniel Russia. Russia. I was just like, put some respect on his fucking name, man. Oh, Jesus God. Christ. Everyone's been tweeting about it. So like, there's no way you can't see Marcus Russia. I don't know how Daniel came into this. Yeah. But that was just mad. The thing is as well, like, didn't Boris Johnson, like Matt Hancock and everyone come out and be like, yeah, this, this is the right thing to do or whatever. But then why did they make that decision in the first place? Unless it's got, it had because nothing to do with them. But I feel that's like just the conservative government. People need to understand like some of the. It's, it's I don't want to go into politics on your episode, but it's just like the choices they make to help like the people who they claim are working hard because they're on the better class of I guess the you know the social class mm. and the people who have the private owned companies and all all that so on. So the people who already have the money, it benefits them because they're from that background, and that kind of aligns with a lot of the ideologies of that. But. Yeah, that's just a short summary. But yeah, if people ever wanted to read into it, then you could see why voting makes a big difference. So you got to vote. That's it. And also, it's, it's so funny. I don't know if anyone noticed, like some of the comments, uh, I mean, guys, don't read the <laughs> comments ever. Do never, ever, ever read the comments. But if you do, right, and you just notice some of the bile that's being like said is like people just don't want to feed kids like hungry kids they're just like well why should we feed them yeah. uh, we're hungry. Like, why, oh why did their parents even have them they shouldn't have had them if they couldn't afford them i was just like some people and they couldn't you couldn't read it and it was like he literally like imagine that was your kid yeah there would you want him to not be fed or would you say oh i shouldn't have had him like i'm sure you wouldn't have said i shouldn't have had him like i'm sure that's not gonna come to the first thing it being in your mind i think it was kate hopkins actually tweeted about like like if you can't afford them why why are you having them and then he, he uh, Marcus Rashford, tweeted back like, to K. Hopkins, fuck off. <laughs> You're sincerely Marcus Rashford. <laughs> it was brilliant, brilliant. And she's, she's suspended from Twitter now, isn't she? Yes, thank I God. Know. God. Thank the Lord for that. It was basically for her views, isn't it? And I'm glad they did it because I was tired of people retweeting her shit or responding to her in quote tweets because I didn't want to see it on my feed. And I'm so glad that they finally just got rid of her from it. So now there's just no Katie Hopkins on Twitter. Yeah. But yeah, another thing with the Marcus Rashford thing that I hope, this is more on the football side, but people are like massive fans of him at the moment. But I hope football's really fickle. Like if he has a few bad games, he's had a few poor performances since we've been back. I hope they don't like start jumping on him and like, I've I've already seen people like blaming his performances on the pitch for like the work he's done off of it, which I think is just stupid. And especially when it comes to England now, I think he's going to have a lot more eyes on him if he has like a bad game at a World Cup or a European tournament. I'm just, yeah, a bit worried that the newspapers and a lot of the media just going to like jump on his back. 
maybe I don't know how much politics can be involved in that. Like if because he embarrassed the government, didn't he? Basically. Yeah. yeah. So I hope none of that comes back to. Oh no! It definitely will. to like affect him. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely will. I think it's quite. It, it's it, it's definitely something that's going to be brought up because it's like it's going to be what he's known for. He's made a stand, and now mm. people are going to mention that every time he does or says anything. Yeah, but um, he, he seems a a really down to earth, level headed guy. So hopefully, it won't won't affect him too if, much. If if he said if he said if you ever got the chance to meet him, where which pub would you take him for for a pint? Do you know what? I'll I'll bring him home. We'll play some Aaron Neville in the background and I'll make him some nachos. <laughs> and that's a night sorted. He obviously based off his school life. I think the audience want to know more, a bit more about your school life. Do they? Yeah, just give us an insight into who Aaron is. Have you always gone to like, the same school? Like in terms of like, have you ever moved around school? Was it like the same school? No, no I've lived in the same house all my life. Wow. Um, I actually do feel like I'm so loyal to Raynham. I've had a conversation with my mum where I'm like, I want to buy this house. Even if I don't live in it, I just want it. Like, I don't want to sell it. The sentimental value. But yeah, no, I went I went to a Catholic school, Catholic primary school and secondary school. Really small school. So it's just like 30 kids a year. And it's called La Salette. La Salette was where I was christened, had my like Holy Communion, my confirmation, everything. Then went to a secondary school called Campion, which was, that was an all boys school. And yeah, I, I, I don't know what specific to say about it. My mum was a teaching assistant in the primary school. How was that, like having your mum as a teacher? whilst you're at school did you get bothered for it my mum wasn't like a disliked person it wasn't like she was like a really mean teacher and and primary school i feel like people are nicer at primary than they are at secondary anyway right yeah yeah. i mean there were definitely some mean teachers we had but um it was different in a sense i definitely had to or maybe not consciously i was very i was just good like all the time because i knew my mum was like upstairs if i did anything if i misbehaved the teacher at lunchtime or break time, we'll just be in the staff room and like tell my mom. I remember one time, so football was everything in school for me. And one day, I don't know, we kicked the ball over into someone else's garden from the playground. And we didn't have a football, so we used a stone to play football. This is like year four or something. And for some reason, we got into massive trouble about it. Well, not massive trouble, but we got into trouble about it. And I think that was the first time I actually got like called out on misbehaving. And there was like a group of us and we had to go outside into the hallway and put our heads against the wall and just stand there. I remember when they were calling, this is also year four, which my mum was a teaching assistant in year four. So when the teacher was like calling out everyone's names, then she called out my name. I think there was just like a gasp around the room and then everyone would like look to my mum to see like her reaction. And it was just like a hang, hang my head in shame thing. Oh wow! Aaron was bad back in the day. Yeah. I mean, look, if if that was my one moment of misbehaving, kicking a stone, um, that's that's not bad at all. No, and when, when she says that she wants a bad boy, and Aaron's like, "Well, let me <laughs> I've got a story that. for you." <laughs> um, I can understand why it's seen as bad though, because I'm pretty sure in year four it was the same thing in my school. So, what about like secondary? Then, like, what was your experience like that in comparison? So in, in primary school, I was the only Indian kid. Mm. And I was also the only Indian guy in the year there too. So that's like 150 kids in a year. There was one guy from Sri Lanka as well. And that was tough because I was I, I was the smallest. So even in primary school, I was always the smallest in the year. Whenever you have a school photo, I was that kid in like the bottom right or left of the photo. Because, yeah, I was the smallest. So... Going into secondary school, where it's like 150 kids a year, there's, I don't know how many years there are in secondary school. I, I was the smallest kid in the whole entire school. And that was 
and I looked like way younger than I was. I remember the very first day, everyone, like first day, they went into the art rooms to kind of get settled down and like ready for like the induction or whatever. And I could hear like the two teachers like next to me whispering about like how small I was. And it was just like, like, oh man, this is going to be tough. (laughs) I was probably like picked on a bit because of it. But, you know, I called names like midget or whatever. But it was never something that, I never really felt I was bullied. I probably, I think looking back on it, if I said like some of the stuff that people did, like just pushing me in corridors or whatever. And especially because I had a backpack that was like, I was going mountain hiking or it just looked like I was going mountain hiking because of how small I was. Um, It was just very easy for me to be like nudged and I'll fall down on the floor. But I I never, I never like considered myself being bullied. I was just like. Did you retaliate out of curiosity? No. No. Okay. I mean, would you have if you no, if you had like no. a piece of advice that you'd give yourself like now retaliate like no, self, no would you have told them to or no I'd, I'd probably be like do it exactly the same to be honest I was just calm about it I was like all right okay cool like, I hope that made you feel better you know like it's not it was never physically like it never physically hurt it might have like emotionally hurt a bit like I can remember coming back home and like crying just about being small. Or being like the smallest kid. Aww. Show me these youths, fam. I'll make we'll make them apologize for you. <laughs> no, no. Show me these youths, fam. It was never like a specific person or like a group or anything. It was just random kids now and then wanting to impress their other friends. This actually makes my blood boil, you know that. Like I'm actually like fuming, fam. Someone pushed you next to me, fam. No, it was, I, I had incredible friends as well. I don't want to like paint this as like I was this lonely kid who was just getting bullied by everyone. I d I don't first of all I don't even think I was being bullied. In fact, the whole year I felt, anyone listening to this from Campion, like, I felt I was friends with everyone. I felt like everyone liked me, at least. I never had any, like, beef with any of them. Actually, I was pretty Larry. There was... Um, what does that mean, Larry? Like, chat back. Oh, okay. So I wouldn't retaliate physically, but I might retaliate, like, verbally a bit. I think that's okay. You don't always have to retaliate physically. I think verbal retaliation is sometimes better. I remember, so this was like more in like year eight or year nine when I started getting like the bus home. So there was all the Raynham crew would get the same bus uh, back to Raynham. And there was the rugby captain of like the sixth form team. And he was massive, but he went to last, let, he went to my primary school. So we kind of like knew each other. And I remember on the bus, back of the bus, and he was like, comes in next to me and like tapped on the chair. And I went, nah, you're taking up both seats. And then everyone was like, oh. Aaron, Aaron's getting rude. <laughs> and then he he mentioned something about oh oh wait are you like one meter tall you can't fit in here and I was like yeah but you're like one meter wide <laughs> and then he came and sat next to me and then squished me against the window that hurt that hurt to be fair but honestly I was too gassed at my comeback to even like feel pain in that situation I was like yeah you won, I was, you yeah won. I was you like to physical. yeah 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 and like having said all of that as much as like people might have called me names or pushed me around a little bit I did feel like I was genuinely like loved by pretty much everyone like I, I was just like cute little Aaron it's like hurting a small dog or something I was voted form captain like two years in a row I think most people thought I was going to be head boy before I stopped giving a shit pretty much it was, it was like almost as if they were like trying to like nurture me and toughen me up a bit. Okay, so like rugby, that we were a Catholic school, so um, they saw rugby as a gentleman sport. Uh, so we were pretty much forced to play that. I remember once a teacher like put me up against to practice tackling with like one of the biggest kids 
And I was like, what's that done? That teacher definitely hated you. <laughs> well, at the time, I thought that anyway. But uh, I don't know. Looking back on it, I'm kind of like, you know, I love a football analogy. So when Ronaldo first came to Man United, they would like kick him about and like push him about trying to tough him up. So I know I'm kind of telling myself I see it like that as if uh, <laughs> they saw the potential in me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh. That but you, you wouldn't. I don't know if you would have survived in high school. <laughs> I don't think they would have just pushed you around. They would have beat the shit out of you. I mean, I, I generally don't care what people could have done to me. I, I think I really think I would have survived if anything. Like you, you know how stubborn I am. I, I wouldn't have let anything kind of show I was affected in any way. Yeah, I got bullied for like three years for answering questions in class like literally like that was like an uncool thing to do uh it was honestly wild wild yes i don't even think teachers pay is that deep of an insult you know yeah like, it's really not it does make you a bit defensive you yeah, yeah. at that age you mm-hmm. might be like at younger age it is but like you also realize that you're just doing yourself good like at least when you obviously no kid will ever be able to tell this so like as you get older, I feel like you'd have rather been the teacher's pet than like an absolute arsehat. Like, because I think it's more embarrassing being like a clown, I think at least, than it is. But at school, you, know. you don't want to be that person, right? At school, yeah. you want to be like, it's that thing of like, now we want to do everything that makes us stand out and be individual and do things differently. But at school, all you wanted to do is just like get by and fit in and not hear any mm. shit from anyone. And just even hearing teacher's pet, like it had, it didn't have positive connotations, did yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I really don't like heights. That's why I stopped growing. <laughs> Any more, I'll be further off the ground. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's what I'll give as my answer now as well. I'm. I, you're talking to me. I'm at five foot nothing, right? So <laughs> wait, I, you're not yeah, that short. I am. I'm five foot nothing. You're a lot taller than five foot nothing in my head right now. No idea why. So I actually remember at school, I remember someone got really angry that I was short because I was sitting down and I, I genuinely think I was sitting down, right? And they just met me or whatever. They were chatting to me, blah, blah. We were getting on. And then I stood up and they were like, nah, you're tiny. And this person was quite tall. And I was like, yeah, I am. I'm quite, I'm just small, you know? And they were just like, they were just so upset at the fact that I was small. And I just couldn't understand why. And it was only after that I realized, oh, they probably liked me. And they were just so upset that I was so small. <laughs> and I was just like, what's that got? to do with anything <laughs> but so yeah i get it and then once once i remember uh, we were in uh, i used to go to summer camps right and then uh, we were we went to this like theme park in like bristol it wasn't really like a theme park it was more like one of those like one day fun fairs and they had this ride and i physically was too small even though like i met the height requirement i was physically so small that i couldn't get on it that my mate had to pick me up she had to pick me up and put me on the ride <laughs> Uh, that's that's bad yeah one quite funny thing i don't know if either of you experienced it but i feel like being brown and going to secondary school i was just assumed as smart i remember from day one people just assuming i was a smart kid like not even i didn't have to do anything i can't remember doing anything special but everyone just instantly just thought i was like the smartest kid in the year that's interesting i mean it didn't didn't cause any problems but it was just i remember everyone would just assume i was smart and i never kind of thought that i guess it was just following a stereotype and as i was like one of a few asians in the year there's just something people assumed i guess i was wondering does the coconut thing like affect you into uni i guess you're like intro into uni because you obviously spent years i guess in a very white majority area in school did that like affect how you viewed the uni because it ended like i guess one of the earlier episodes you said that you didn't want to be part of a brown squad i'm not sure if like that also ties in all together because 
just of the environment. It also goes back to something Noreen said in her episode, where she said she like almost rejected her like brownness or was rejecting it. And I think I was kind of the same. I guess it's not really or wasn't for me considered cool to be Indian, like stereotypically. And going into uni, I really wanted to be cool because I was never like the cool kid in school. And but it wasn't just the brown people. To be honest, I just first year I just didn't make an effort with hardly anyone outside of my kitchen like even remember tk saying like when we played football i would just kind of like ignore him it was almost as if i had this impression that if i just because in school i was like a tryhard for the beginning at least for like the first half of school i was a tryhard and that gave me that like nerdy reputation or the good boy and not very cool in second half of school i basically didn't try at all like i just went into school did my work went home and I kind of, I think I came into uni like trying for that approach, but probably mostly with like the computer science lot rather than in my like corridor, whatever, I was probably a bit more try hard. But when it came to computer science people, I think I was very laid back and very like, okay, I'm not going to make an effort with people. I came in with the assumption that computer science people weren't cool, which is bad on really bad on my part and just totally wrong, to be honest. Like if I think about some of the coolest people I know, a lot of them are computer scientists. Like they're so cool. Like I know a lot of people, maybe if they're listening to this, they might think of themselves as uncool because of like the computer science stuff. But honestly, I I think the things they can do is immense. Or what we can do, I should say. You have before you come into uni and what it's actually like because uni isn't like that at all, is it? No, no. It's none of the same stuff that you experience at school in terms of. I mean, there are definitely still groups and stuff like that, but very much it is cool to like be really good at something. It is cool like um, know a lot about a certain subject, and so whereas at school those sort of things weren't wouldn't be cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like touching on the group thing, I think it was it wasn't just that it was like I didn't want to be like friends with brown people, I didn't want to be friends with computer scientists because I didn't think it was cool. It was just being in a group in general. I didn't want to be one of those people that or cliquey. Yeah, cliquey. Had a group and only hanged around with that group and didn't socialise and not that I socialised anyway in my first year, but didn't like try and be friends with everyone, which I think which I I think I did do. But then also having ended up in a brown group, shout out the comp side ons, that, that like taught me so much about like Indian culture as well, which I just didn't really have any any knowledge or experience really? of. You also needed like a learning experience, right? You didn't know, so like it's like fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have a brown upbringing. I didn't, I didn't have brown friends in school. Well, actually, shout out Krista Silva. I don't have like loads of cousins or anything. So for you, was Warwick actually diverse? then in that respect yeah yeah massively wow because that's that's really interesting because for me where it was diverse but it was the first time that I understood like a lot about myself in terms of how like work like working class I was I understood how like I wasn't like from here that was the first time that I figured all those things out it was at Warwick and like for me I was like Warwick yeah okay it was diverse in terms of all like people international students and people from all over the UK but in terms of race I didn't find it that diverse because I guess I'm like Coventry and I went to a really really mixed school so which I find really interesting because I guess it is if you're from like a really really um like white area and like you're the only brown kid to come here and see like the fact that there are so many other brown people with so like a range of different upbringings and experiences it must be such a different dynamic it was but I also 
it wasn't like hard or anything. It wasn't like I found it difficult to interact with people of different cultures or anything. I, I just, yeah, I just like, I like to think I take everything in a stride and I feel like I can get one in anyone regardless of anything. So I was going to ask, to be honest, here, you know, yeah, how you said that you didn't try too much, etc. But like, I was curious here because at least from my perspective, yeah, so you, and this probably isn't the right terminology according to you, but like you were, you at least had a very kind of a bit more hip fashion sense. And you always, you look like you at least belonged at Warwick, but you could tell that you were just better dressed even then amongst those belong to Warwick, but like you belong there, if that makes sense, whether you fail or not. So I don't know, like, well, did your fashion sense come from before Rainham or did it come at uni? Like... Well, thank you, first of all, for the uh, compliment on my fashion sense. <laughs> like to my friends from school, I was extremely socially awkward. Like um, I was going to school, do my work, go back home. I wouldn't, especially when girls joined, I wasn't really like, I wouldn't go up and talk to them or anything. I, I didn't go out much in school. So it wasn't like, I was mostly in school uniform. So I, I didn't really have a chance to have much of a fashion sense. And when it was non-school uniform days, I pretty much... I remember just wearing my main United tracksuit a lot. Um, so there probably wasn't really much of a good fashion sense. That's really interesting. So when do you think that like you sort of came into your own in terms of style? Like, when did it stop being about this is going to set me apart or this is going to reinvent me or this is going to be different from others, what others are doing and to this is who I am and this is my style and this is just what I enjoy? I think it might have always been kind of my style. It's just I never really had to show it in school or the chance to show it i think it might it's like a, a girl's thing you see you want to impress girls i think that's like one of the main things a lot of boys like maybe like socially awkward boys like i was back then a lot of us wanted to do so if you dress well that's a big thing and also i was super conscious about like my height if i didn't feel i fit in at university at the very beginning that was just because i looked like a fucking 12 year old like i was short in her facial hair um, just looked like a child. So dressing well, I think, just made me feel a little bit more confident in myself and just because it made me feel a bit, I guess, older and like I belonged there. And I think I've always been interested in design. This like links into like my work line of work as well. Like in school, I liked art and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like generally I've always had that design appeal. Like in anything I do, I want it to look good. And that includes like myself i want myself to look good and i think that did give other people in computer science the impression i was cool but i feel like once they spoke to me they quickly realized i wasn't like that cool i was just another <laughs> another one of another one of the guys i remember i remember uh i think the first time that we no obviously we talked and stuff but i think the first time that i tried to like have a conversation with you i don't know if you remember this was asoc ball <laughs> Do you remember ASOC 4, second year? See, that that was when I was realising my inner Asian during that yeah. period of my life. And like you had that, that was your look where I think you were wearing like a free piece and then you had like your round glasses oh, and like you had yeah, yeah. long hair and That's stuff. a vibe. It was, yeah, it was, you look great, obviously. Yeah. But um, I, remember, I remember talking to you and I kid you not, I don't think you said more than two sentences to me. Hmm. That, yeah. <laughs> I was probably still a bit socially awkward, or, but it was probably a mix of that and also a mix of, okay, I'm, I'm going to try and be a bit cool. I, I don't know, even now, even recently, I've been thinking a lot about how, I, th I, th I think I've done it, done it recently where I've tried to be cool, maybe too cool, and I probably just haven't 
really showed my personality as much as I could have. Mm. I feel like a different personality where I'm trying to impress that person. And in my head, for some reason, it was, okay, don't speak that much. Maybe because it's like subconsciously, I'm like, okay, if you speak too much, they're going to realize you're not cool. So don't speak too much. Hmm. And just keep it locked away to yourself. Oh, that's so funny. I think it, I think it's probably like you were trying to maybe like add an intrigue about yourself. Yeah, keep like, that mystery. You know? Keep that mystery. And and I think all it came out is like, okay, this guy just doesn't really want to talk to me so cool. Oh, <laughs> I... The thing is, I don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't first, know. but. <laughs> yeah. In my eyes, like what made you a cool person was like, you'd be willing to banter or like, you know what I mean? Like you didn't really care. You'd be just willing to banter anyways. And you did, you were like, okay. And then you just hit back or something like that. Like it was just like a simple banter trade or something. And I was just like, yeah, see, we can, I can work with that because at this point, I remember at uni, like at first I was like, bro, man, don't have many friends here. I speak to like Baxo, Alex, TK. And then there's like, um, in computer science as well. Like, and then there was like Aaron, because Aaron was like, yo, yeah, this Aaron was just like willing to banter. And I was just like, yeah, see, why can't we have more people like this? I thought you didn't like me. I probably, it's so funny, but like, you should ask Armin about this, but I probably thought you did not like me at uni. Like, I think it was at the start, this was probably before, this was when you were living together, I think, in second year. But I remember being outside your room, and I was just like, I mean, I was talking to you and stuff, and like, I tried to have a conversation with you, it didn't really go anywhere, and I was like, to her, I was like, does that guy like me? Like, I think he's really lovely, but I don't think he does, and he's not spoken to me, and I've seen him so many times. Oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, no, that's fine. Just, it's just arrogant. Just be there, and I was like, okay. I was probably just shy. Yeah, I, I am a little bit in your face as well. So I guess it's like the, the kind of dichotomy of the two of like me being a really in your face person, and then also expecting someone to like talk to me like they're my best friend, but really not realizing that someone else doesn't want to do that. But it definitely wasn't because I didn't like you or anything. Like to be honest, if you ask me to name people I don't like, I would find that very hard i thought you were just gonna say me for a second i was like right <laughs> like, this guy just set this up just i should that. have oh got it now i didn't would you say like i guess like did like gym or getting some gains help you with confidence in that aspect i mean I, I don't even think i did really that much i think like one of the main boosts of confidence i i had was i did a lot of stuff like on the side to uni like freelancing and the projects and people started to like hear of my work and that kind of increase my confidence i ended up doing a lot of like social things along with that like going to meet like clients and different people for different types of work so that just kind of exposed me to talking to more people which i think just kind of brought me out my shell a bit yeah like definitely for you like I, you were definitely the person that i saw was like wow he's so sick at like all of this stuff like and he's always doing things and he's always really busy and he's always got loads of projects mm. and I think you were definitely probably known or by a lot of people as that sort of person yeah um yeah and secondly I just started as I said first year I was too busy doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing second year was where I like really started to go out a lot more Armina was like a massive like part of that Hamish as well all the all the comp side ons TK, Alex, uh, the Fracibo gang, Ed Barr, Pavantica, Ali, the the computer science football team, they they all they all helped me massively. Do you know what I always thought? I always thought that when we were out on nights out, you just didn't want to be around us sometimes because I thought like sometimes we had bad connotations because we're comp side people. Probably. I'm, I'm not, not sure if like, that was ever the case. Like and that, I, I don't mean that in like you guys yeah, are yeah, no, I, mean, I know, I know. It was probably like I a just, subconscious thing where I was like Yeah. Just no, being no, like more we're like, all guys. 
And we were all guys yeah, in a yeah. circle dancing and like just a bit lame, you know what I mean? <laughs> Rather than it, it wasn't that we were all computer science or Indian or anything. Oh my gosh, I've never thought about it that way. Like this is actually so insightful for me. Yeah. Because like honestly, as a woman, yeah, I have never once had to think about these things. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. that has never been something that has crossed my mind and i've never had to think about like oh if i mean it's different maybe maybe it's more my personality rather than being a woman but i've never thought oh like if i'm in this setting like how is this going to come across to like you know people that i want to find me attractive like guys or whatever or like being in a group of girls doesn't have the same connotations yeah. as guys does like it's never been a thought at all but and it's so funny like it could also be just me thinking too much yeah, about what I don't girls even think, think. i don't know like, i wouldn't think like oh that's a group of guys and they do comp sci and so they're not cool and i'm not going to go and talk to them because that is not a thought that would ever run through my mind yeah but yeah, being inside that circle i feel like i definitely i agreed with aaron but i was fine with like being around aaron because i was like you know, people like how people usually don't like me, so there's a good balance there. So there's like a fifty percent chance, you know, that they'll speak to me. <laughs> like, like I was like, that's that's genuinely it as well. Like I was like, yeah, like there's a fifty percent chance like they may want to speak to you after. Like it's calm, so you know. But yeah, like I think yeah, one of the things is like bringing on to the I guess the socially awkward thing. I I think it's more that like we don't know if the person's gonna get along along with us like in the first place. It's also one. I don't know if that's like an annoying factor, but I think when you're not a fuckboy, uh, so in I guess our cases, it's just like for some reason, it's a lot tougher yeah, to just um, as easily speak to, I think like girls as easy as other people make it sound sometimes, especially like, you know, like the st- standard fuckboy type of behavior. I think it, like, although you can try to talk to them as, as a normal person, etc., like usually the connotations that come with it, like now I'm not trying to be a fuckboy. Like I remember like on, on a recent games and I was just like I don't want to look like a fuckboy I just didn't make this clarify but like I think when you're older as well like you try and let go of these certain things from experience but like at least at that time it was just like it's like oh shit like I don't want them thinking the wrong thing I don't want to be thinking the wrong thing I don't know what the correct thing is. and then you're stuck in this loop and then not, no words are coming out your mouth I feel like that's what happens here yeah. <laughs> at least that's what happened to me I was like oh shit I'm just sitting here Aaron's talking to her I'm just here like the fuck do I do because I do- I'm like going through all these things in my head I'm like do I say something do I not say something I don't know if it was the same for like, I guess an Aaron said or something like that. It's, it's a bit of a weird one because I never felt like I wouldn't get along with any girl or any any person really. But like once it starts to get to like a more of a flirty kind of thing, then that's where it's kind of, oh God, what what do I do now? And as you mentioned, like the overthinking comes into it. But yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a thing I think in a lot of guys' head, to be honest. And as Hamish said, a lot of guys more like us especially if it's like a a girl you really like but yeah it's just a self-confidence thing really for me not a self-confidence thing as much but just thinking so so highly of the other person and almost putting them on a pedestal but you don't realize that till afterwards though right yeah i think that it is that learning curve and university is about that whole experience of sort of like Mm. figuring it out and figuring out different approaches and learning about yourself in those situations yeah, I mean, not even at uni, like even today, this year, there's things I wish I could have done done differently. Yeah, I don't know. Really. I, to be honest, I've lost the point we were on. I'm not going to say like I'm any sort of credit to his confidence or anything. I'm, I just used to egg him on to do, try and do, do things. And I feel like because of how stubborn and childish we both were, sometimes it worked. So I'd just egg him on saying like, oh, yeah, that girl's looking at you. Go on, chirps there. Go, go, go. And then he'd be like, nah, fam, what are you I mean, doing? I can't, I can't imagine ever going to talk to a girl on the <laughs> yeah, basis know, of you like... telling me that she's looking at me. <laughs> 
No, we even times I remember like we joke about it a lot at the subway when I was just like the girl came and asked us about subway and I think she wanted to continue the conversation but Aaron just stopped talking to her halfway through the <laughs> halfway through the thing and I was just like I mean she Aaron, asked me please. for like a recommendation on the sub so I told her I didn't realize that to continue was, talking <laughs> it was it was Valentine's Day yeah and we were we both went to get the two for one deals oh yeah like, oh. Well, why, why did we have to bring that up that's just a sad story I want to know the story though please tell me please tell me <laughs> So you can tell it how you so we're both got we're in queue so like there's a couple people in front of us this is Cannon Park in Warwick by the way I'm like in front of Aaron by one place so I'm about to go and then I, suddenly Aaron's at the back of the queue and then this girl just walks up here quite pretty and so on as well she's obviously a uni student as well and she starts speaking to Aaron yeah it's like why oh, is the Valentine's deal on here or something it goes something along these lines I, I turned back once yeah I'm like okay that's my guy yeah <laughs> and I just carry on you mean and then they'll start speaking about Subway yeah because I think Aaron involved me in the joke somehow so I'm like um yeah yeah it's, it's two for one today blah 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 um we're getting it for ourselves and then she was like do you have any recommendations and then after Aaron gave a recommendation there was just a giggle and then it stopped and I didn't know what to do because I was just stood in front of them. I'm like, oh, no, Aaron, just <laughs> please say something. Wow. Like, <laughs> wow. She shot her shot and you were just like. <laughs> it wasn't like a proper like romantic thing. But like, you know, if all, if all the days something could have happened, it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> to be fair. And I was just. Was I chirping someone else at the same time? Because I, I I do have a tendency. Like if I'm chirping someone, I'll pretty much no other person exists. It doesn't really matter if they're trying to flirt with me or anything. Wow. Chatting, like, what do you mean by chatting? Do you mean like chatting to them, like, in a more serious yeah, way? Or just yeah. like trying to flirt? Oh, okay, all right, then that's different. I was like, if you're just flirting with someone and then you're not, I mean, they, they might not see it as a serious thing at the time. <laughs> like, it might be pretty serious for me. When I say chirps, well, when I say chirps, I mean I actually like someone. Right, okay, okay, so that's different. That makes more yeah. sense. Okay. Um, like, they might not know that I like them. Okay. <laughs> but actually, I've been told it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Well, I, I'm. We are talking, but my feelings may or may have not been made clear. Speaking of uni, right? We were talking about uni, and this is okay. This is not in our notes. It's quite a random, random thing. But no, um, I'm so outing myself. I don't know why I'm saying this. But have you ever like pissed on campus, like not in yeah. your room? Yeah, just random. Okay, cool. <laughs> I just wanted to know that the amount of people, if they have or not. What do you um, mean pissed on campus in the bathroom? Or no, like... no, no, no. In no, no, room. like by a tree outside, or something. Yeah, like by a tree or something. Okay. Have you? The, yeah, the memory is very clear. It's, oh, no. I, uh, you tell me your story, then I'll tell you about it. It's on the way to Mist <laughs> for, I don't know what the event was. It was, an, it was an Asian event, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an ASOC. It was, what, it was an odd case where we were at an ASOC event of all people to be at an ASOC event. It was me and Yeah, Harry. and the bus, I think it went from Lemming, picked us up at Lemington, then went to campus. And for some reason, it just took a really long time, didn't it? Yeah. Because everyone, almost everyone, ran off the bus when we got to campus to take a piss. It was quite that funny. Was, to be that fun. I felt so awkward, like because I didn't need to go take a piss like everyone else, and it was just grim. Like I remember everyone, literally the entire like circle around this bus at Central Campus. Someone was taking a piss somewhere. Like it could have been in Super Baseball. So I was like, I can't believe. I'm being friends with Aaron right now because he's going to take a piss in public. He could have ran to the SU fam. I'm not, like, no, it was it was desperate times. And, and I did not have time to run to the no, SU. No, I'm not going to lie. I bet it was the best piss you've ever had. It was so good. It was so good. Oh, no, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no shame in it. Like Mine wasn't even when I was like drunk. Like I was very, very much sober and also very, very recently. Uh-oh. On campus. <laughs> so... 
Wait, on campus? Yeah. So basically, <laughs> so when I have friends, so I'm from Coventry, right? So whenever people come and visit, like my friends and stuff, I do show them around our campus or just in general. And it was like social distancing. So went to like Warwick. We were like, okay, let's just do like our social distance picnic here, barbecue, whatever. We're going on this walk and coming back. And I was just like, do you know what? I need to pee. I need to pee. And nothing was open. Like I didn't have access to any buildings. Obviously, like everything was shut. No pubs were open, nothing. So I couldn't go anywhere to use the bathroom. So I was like, oh shit, what do I do? So like, you know, like Gibbet Hill, like when you walk down that path, like behind like Blue Balance stuff. I was walking from then. I was like, you know, I've got to go. So I went down into the forest, like, and I was like peeing. And then my friend was like, you've got to be quick. You've got to be quick. Someone's coming. So let me just tell you, like, that was just like, that piss was not ending at all just because I was just like shit it was like performance anxiety or something <laughs> it was so embarrassing it was so so embarrassing but yeah that's my peeing on campus story wait you couldn't go library or anything and like no uh, because ooh. it was like everything's shut right right now campus oh yeah shut. yeah everything is shut like I couldn't go anywhere like anywhere at all you gotta do you gotta so do. I had to and yeah like it's easier for guys you can just whack it out but wouldn't like, it be easier to go to security the security office that's effort no yeah, but how am i going from a uh, gibbet hill like medical school to security oh medical no mate oh i thought you were next to blooper when you said this so okay no, that's, that's... No. if you gotta do it you gotta do it doesn't matter yeah where. that's it a nature piss is the best remember that time we're in a smack queue hamish Oh and I my god! Did you go? I could not be. So this smack queue. We were in a queue for what two hours? But you know why this happened? This was because me and Aaron are just too kind, and we gave away our tickets to someone else, our friend who had like, oh yeah, didn't have them, and we could have got in easily that day and enjoyed like five hours of smack. Instead, we gave it to our friend. Yeah, we didn't even know that she was name there, and yeah. shame if she's listening. Yeah, that was one of them. And then, then we, but then we queued up in the non-ticket queue, and we waited for so fucking long. I mean, the slowest queue. Everyone was obviously butting oh. in and so. On. That's a smack queue is the worst. Now, anyone who knows it, like when once you get into the gated section of the queue, yeah, that means you got hope. You got hope, yeah. And now we're in this gated section of the queue, yeah. So now we're slowly moving forward. And Aaron's like to me, fam, I don't think I can hold my piss any longer. I'm like, Aaron, don't take the fucking piss here. We're literally gonna like we're gonna be there very, very soon. And he's like, What oh, is a bin there? I think I could piss into it if I tried it. And I was looking at I'm like, fam, just I don't care what you do, just we're not leaving this queue. And he's just there, like needing to go such a bad piss no then i was just like i'm sorry mate we're, we're gonna have to leave the queue <laughs> or I, I, I must have offered to like leave on my own and you no, continue i would i wouldn't like, yeah i wouldn't yeah yeah you wouldn't have done that but yeah we we spent like a couple hours queuing it must have been then i had to go for a piss so we left the queue but then we queued up again and it was a short queue because we remember we cut right back to the gated section because the people i worked at debenhams were there so i just pretended like oh yeah and then we got lucky and then we got in and then everyone left like after 30 minutes of us getting oh, in. Oh yeah, yeah. We then we got in. We're like, fuck that. Oh. We're staying. Yeah, we're like, fuck you. <laughs> we just got in. Wow. Couldn't believe. Wow. Couldn't believe that people left the moment we got in and I was like, there's no way we're leaving anytime soon. That was so funny. Yeah, I, I don't know what, what else can really say about... I was going to uh, say like, you know your web dev stuff kind of like spiraled into a madness from second year and you just kept going like, do you know like what kind of like kicked it off? Like, what led to you getting so many web dev jobs apart from obviously the nice looking website because nothing no one just randomly finds i guess a nice looking website or something like what what kind of kicked it off so there's a like a distinct turning point where you know like 
in computer science anyway, everyone's going for like summer internships and spring breaks and all these internships at like large banks, JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs and everywhere. And I applied for a few of those. I think I had an interview at JP Morgan and it was just boring. And then there was one uh, application I made to King Games, who are the makers of Candy Crush for a summer internship position. Got through like the first two rounds and then was invited to offices down in London. And I was like really excited, made like a really big deal out of it. Anna Blackbourne and Alex Holland both came with me down to London for like a day trip um, while I had the interview. And remember going to offices, it was so nice. Like how you'd kind of imagine a game company, their offices to like look like from like TV shows and everything. So like pets in the office, walking around, people riding around on scooters, like a really nice kitchen with like a fridge, which had was like stocked with loads of drinks. And then came the interview and they just ripped me to shreds. So they, they asked me to send in a piece of code I had written before. They would like look at it and then we'd walk through it like during the interview. And the only thing I really had to show was like our first year project, which was a robot maze. And it's like a robot finding its way around a maze. And then they got up the code on the screen and just like line by line, they just ripped it to shreds. I was just like, I don't know. This is like the first thing I coded, the first big project I made. Like, I don't know. This is just what I was taught. I just felt really shit and awful about it. It was for a software engineering role, but nothing like design. But that was just kind of the thing, I think, in computer science, you were pushed towards more like algorithm work and data work and more typical software engineering and yeah that 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 was like a really awful experience for me i just felt really shit about being a computer scientist afterwards and like really questioning if this is really what i wanted to do and that kind of coincided with doing a web development course uh, module or didn't coincide exactly but i i knew like from doing that i made a few nice websites and people seemed to think they looked really good um, and i really enjoyed it. it was the first time i really got to show any design work at university because in school in secondary school fun fact i did art at a level and i actually got a better grade at art at a level than i did at art at gcc which is a bit weird so i always had like the design kind of interest to me and like the aesthetics. I, same thing as like what you said earlier on my fashion sense. That everything I did, I wanted it to look good. And yeah, so I, I made these websites and I thought it'd be a good idea after that interview to like make my own website. So I bought the domain aaronconway.co.uk, kind of made it into like my own portfolio, which you'd go on that website and then you can see those other websites I made. And I remember sharing it on Facebook after I made it, being like, hey, made this website, go check it out if you're interested. And then within like two weeks, I had loads of businesses and just people and societies like getting in contact with me, being like, hey, I saw you seen your website. Do you think you can make us one? Which then just kind of like kicked off a freelance business on the side of of university. My uncle asked me to make his company's website, which was like my first paid paid job. But a lot of this stuff was kind of word of mouth. So like friends of mine would have family members who'd recommend me and then I got work through them. Though honestly a massive part of me like getting all those jobs and everything is down to friends and family. Special shout out to uh Gina and Liana who got me a couple like big contracts at the time. So I, I think that was that King Games interview was the turning point and then it kind of just spiraled from there. And that's where a lot of the startup stuff um, I've talked about in previous episodes, like for Chibo and Endorser, 30 Degrees, just kind of people hearing about my name and then getting in contact with me to like help them out. And me having trouble with saying no and just saying yes, even 
if it affected my university work and i'd I'd maybe didn't charge enough as well but i just was too nice about it was like yeah sure i'd help i was like they they wanted me and it just felt nice to like help him out. So I'd always just be like, yeah. yeah. I recall just telling you, fam, you can't charge like this much for this, what you're doing. You need to like charge like, even though I'm not saying extort, then just charge like the correct rates at least. But Aaron was just like, no, 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 no. It's obviously, obviously had somewhat decent reasoning, but I don't think, uh, this is one of the points I always disagreed with. I was like, fam, you need to charge more as well. Because look at, first of all, look at the work you're outputting. Then look at the normal rates that people get paid, like even at your level or whatever. And obviously minus experience and so on. And even then, like, I was just like, bro, just make sure you don't get mugged off by these faces. I think my argument was more is like building a portfolio. I'm yeah. still like a rookie at this. I know my work, well, I, I thought my work was sick, but like my work was probably a lot better than what a lot of other people could do. And they would still be charging more. But I didn't, I still feel, felt like I was starting out and had, it was more important for me to build relationships with these people and build that portfolio first. I mean, I think I still think it was like a good choice on your your behalf but yeah that, that was just another like boost of confidence i guess to be fair i think my confidence is a very misjudged in aspects i think i'm as confident as you can be like especially in my work i'm like very confident in my work i think i've got like a lot of hidden confidence i don't know if that makes sense yeah i have a lot of confidence in things i probably shouldn't be confident about such as hey can you do something that i've never done before i'll be like yeah i'll, I'll be sick of that if i tried it even though there's no <laughs> proof of it <laughs> remember like that it's like oh don't worry you need this sink making i can do that even though you've never done it before oh you need this table building i can do that i've never done it before oh this app this is oh this is a nice app i can do that even though he's never made apps before and it's just like i don't think you can though i think i think i've got the mindset of like you know i'll I'll just watch a few youtube videos and i'll figure (laughs) it out but your, your web stuff is pretty sick though i think it's always been something that i've admired about what you've done and especially from someone that doesn't have that background looking at the work that you create especially like your website and stuff it's always been something that i've been like oh he's really really good at that and actually fun fact the way that you do design and even with the third wheel and then seeing the design work behind that and your website itself it's motivated me to do more of that sort of stuff so i've actually started like an intro to web development course and i was oh, just nice. like oh this is this is like what I want to do because I've seen it like people like you have done that and I've seen the benefits a it can bring but also just how it's a different form of expressing creativity too so I just thought I'd let you know no no I appreciate that that's, that's good that's I guess it's natural like you look at other people's work and want to kind of replicate that or it yeah. gives you like inspiration I think I was the first one to kind of make a website and like put it public in like our year or so but we've got like a couple people in our like friend group who also like followed I remember seeing some of their sites and being like secretly kind of been like fuck that's really good i need to redo mine and make it better so there's like a bit of like competition involved as well and without like really knowing they've made me like a better designer a better web developer and hopefully it like pushed them too and all of it was just a massive like confidence boost or even ego boost like going traveling up and down the country to talk to and meet clients meeting new people giving talks at university or even the college i got invited to speak to their students on like web development and how to start your own business and that's something if you told like like an Aaron from when I was in sixth form that I'd be doing that kind of stuff it's a bit I'd be like no you're you're joking like why would I do that like that just seems such an uncomfortable thing for me for small shy little Aaron to have done back then and you're sort of finding your own isn't it it's like I think that 
everyone has this time to sort of figure out, okay, so what is it that's me? What is it that's my brand? What is it that I want to be known for or good at? And it might not be one specific thing, but I think that like trialing those different suits and trialing those different areas that as you said like you went for these internships and you tried them out and you had these like this horrific experience but once you've done all that you sort of figure out actually no this is me this is my brand and it seems like you found you found yours um i don't know i think think i'm like quite a fan of like trying out different things like this podcast for instance like it's not really like computer science related or web development related or even tech related, really. So it's just something else, I guess, I and we are trying out. I don't, I don't think you have to really confine yourself to a certain label or genre or category or box, really. Yeah, I think this podcast gives us that, gives people the false sense of us being like these super confident and social people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in reality, like if you tell us that, oh, you listen to an episode, we're just like, oh shit, yeah, 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 thank you, whatever. Like we don't know how to react to it and it happens quite frequently. <laughs> That's quite funny. I was, I was saying this to my dad, like it's not, it's a safe space, this podcast, as in like it's me and Hamish and one other person. First of all, we're not really talking about ourselves that much. I mean, this is a podcast about me kind of, but (laughs) like, yeah, normally it's all about the guests. So there's nothing really for us to be uncomfortable about. Um, It's not like a large social interaction kind of thing. I guess it's different in terms of like we're putting ourselves out there in the public. But does that feel that feels different, doesn't it? Because that's happening out there. That's happening yeah. not in front of you and not happening with real people in real life. It's happening on like social media and in the digital world. And I found I found that actually a lot of people become more comfortable with that, you know, obviously with the rise of like podcasts and YouTube and online and digital content. A lot of the time it is perhaps it is people that might not necessarily, if you were in person, have those same conversations, but digitally it feels completely different. Yeah. But having said that, like I've really started to enjoy a lot more talking to people in person. Like as I said earlier, like it's a lot more enjoyable in person than over like video call. Mm. Um I'd I'd feel so much more confident now like going up to a random person on the street and like asking them a question. I was gonna say that like after doing all, all those websites and then ending up in San Francisco doing such a hard sprint like did that come back to haunt you afterwards or yeah like I've, I've covered we've covered san francisco quite a bit and actually in tam's episode we talked about it like burning out yeah i think just the accumulation of all those projects i did at university the degree and this is where i come back to like where i said yes too much it just so much work over like a short period of time it just like yeah tired me out massively but it's, it's not something I, I i don't regret any of the work i did or like taking on all that work, even though it did burn me out. Because I think it, it, a lot of that work helped me grow as a person, improved my skills massively. At one point in that time, I, I generally thought I was the best web developer at my age in the country. That's where a lot of like that hidden confidence comes in. And I'm probably too confident about things I shouldn't be. But yeah, yeah, it was just San Francisco was massive for me. I feel like everything from school to uni in San Francisco just helped me grow up like a lot more and be just a lot more confident in myself. Or I should stop, I should stop saying confidence confident really it's more kind of helped me become less shy and more outgoing really like san francisco was kind of like a work-wise anyway it's like yeah i've made it moment obviously not like completely made it like you get what i mean but there's, there's the san francisco whole experience in particular i feel like the main thing for me was kind of even going there in the first place was probably the biggest achievement for me throughout the whole year and traveling solo to like places like la and 
New York and just going going around doing stuff on my own really was kind of a change that I wouldn't do normally or hadn't done before. And was probably something I never imagined I'd ever do. What would you, if at all, any, would you change anything about the experience or would you do it all in the same way? I probably would have done more. Like I did a lot, but I feel like because I was just there for a year, I probably could have visited a few more places in America. I could have maybe made more tech like networks, tried to go out of my way to meet more people, which I, d- I did. But I think there's always I could have done more. And because I was only there for a year, that might be like a bit of a regret that, yeah, I could have done more during that one year. I don't regret coming back at all. Like then I would have missed out on some of the things I have done since I've been back. And yeah, some of that, some of those things I probably would never have even imagined before. But for the chance for someone in tech to be in Silicon Valley for a year, there might always be that kind of thing in the back of your mind being like, did I make the most of it? Even if you did, there'd always be that kind of thought. Of course. And how did you find like traveling on your own as well? Did you find it liberating or did you find it isolating or was it a mixture of the two? I was totally fine. I wasn't lonely. I never felt lonely, like going to New York, staying in like an Airbnb by myself, visiting like, I remember the last, so I went on quite a few trips to New York, like throughout the course of the year for work. I remember the last one, I wasn't sure if it was going to be my last one, but I thought if it is, I'm just going to visit everything I haven't yet. So it was only for like a weekend. Oh no, it's for a week, but I only had the weekend to like do stuff because I was working during the week. And I remember waking up really early at like 7am, getting a train to like Brooklyn Bridge, walking to Manhattan Bridge, walking across, going to Statue of Liberty, coming back, going up the top of the rock. So, and then staying there for like the whole night. So I got a view of the Eiffel Tower, the Eiffel Tower, the, uh, <laughs> the, thing. Empire, State. <laughs> the Empire State Building. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> clip that. And then... Oh, I'm f- totally thrown off now. Yeah, you ended up doing bronze. all that, going back to the uh, Airbnb, waking up the next morning, going to Central Park, then going to the National History Museum, then going to the Met, and just like doing all these things, like just by myself. I was kind of like just proud to do them, like just proud of myself to just say like fuck it, I'll do it anyway. Like going to a baseball game on my own because nobody else was, nobody else really wanted to go or something like that. I think there's a lot of power in that, isn't there? In terms of when you're traveling, just just mm. going and just doing it by yourself. Like, I definitely found that as well. And it's something that I've decided to do more of, even like within the UK. I don't know if you've, after coming back, you've had that experience or you've tried to explore that. Obviously with like lockdown and quarantine, we haven't been able to as much. Yeah. But I've definitely, on like work trips or when stuff's going on, I've just gone and like explore the city by myself and not cared that I've got no one with me and have like reached out to people and loads of my friends have done the same thing and I think there is something quite that takes a lot of strength in doing that as well because it's quite difficult to do yeah I, I've, I've had it back here as well like just because I when I came back I had a massive appreciation of London a lot more than I did beforehand so I, I definitely found myself when I was back like sometimes just just walking through London just exploring it more because I'd been to all these places in New York and San Francisco and I realized, you know, I haven't even seen a lot of places in London, like the place where I supposedly live. Debatable, but we move on. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's I think that's actually like such a revolutionary thing to do. And it seems like such a big thing to say, but it is because doing stuff for yourself is a wild concept. People don't really go out their way to like 
perform self-care in that way and it is self-care because you're you are asking people but ultimately you're not saying that oh just because no one else is going I'm not going to go you're still doing that thing and I found doing that really really lovely for myself and I've seen some of my friends do it like a lot of my friends have started doing like solo trips and especially as a woman um you know obviously I've talked about last time on the last podcast like the dangers that come with traveling as a woman yeah um but then they've really enjoyed that experience or you know friends like going to theater by themselves like not just like the cinema but like the theater and going to see plays by themselves or knowing that there's like food that they really want to try and just going to eat you know I've I've literally sat in Nando's by myself because I'm like I want a Nando's and I honestly do not want takeout because the takeout is rubbish because it's always cold by the time you get it so I will sit in that restaurant I'll eat my food and then I will leave and I do not care that no one else is with me and it's such a wild thing to do it shouldn't be yeah i haven't yeah, you can laugh it's fine but uh, no 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 i I, I i get the food thing because i at least in the more recent years i've been more willing to do it by myself as well i even did it i think in dirty duck i was like Fine, i just want to eat i don't care i didn't like eating in certain places but like i'd be like in dirty duck i don't mind having to eat there just because it was just like yeah i could just eat there no one could to really bother me no one would really expect me to be at the day duck eating anyways for a lunch or something so i i get that and especially nowadays it's just that i don't do it because whenever i'm out to eat i'm always with friends so like yeah i never end up in those scenarios but like i've been thinking a lot of like yeah i'd rather sometimes it's a good it's a good enough reason to just eat out and then not give a fuck what people think yeah and it, mine was the same thing as you were saying Aris. like i asked everyone like this is this is another story this happened in like first year of uni when i first started doing this and then she no one wanted to come with me and i was like do you know what fuck you all i will go and i will take myself and the guy when i got there he's like oh like do you want our takeout menu i was like no can i have a table for one please <laughs> um, whereas now i think that like i just did it and now i've had like a there's a ways to do it where if it makes you feel more comfortable you can is usually I'll have my laptop with me or usually I'll have a notebook and a pen with me or whatever and I'll just go and I'll either write or I'll either work and I'll eat or whatever so I guess it's a like a little bit more acceptable because you're like working or you're writing or whatever but really it's just a con because I just want to eat that oh, no. <laughs> I actually think the most I've eaten by myself is probably at Subway oh so that like, doesn't count come on does it not like but well, I was waiting for a friend because they were still working and we had to like go somewhere together but I always have to end up eating like at Subway by myself instead of like with them so I was just like fuck it I'll just eat because I'm a slow eater as it is it's Subway is a solitary eating place in my opinion anyway. <laughs> isn't it I didn't know that I, I was just under the impression like you take take away from Subway that's all you do I never eat at Subway yeah I think the main issue I had throughout all of it wasn't I know you touched a bit about uni and not being cool and being like brown and maybe considering yourself not cool but I think it was really more I always felt my lack of confidence or shyness or social awkwardness was always due to my height and not looking my age that was where I always thought like if I'd go and speak to someone they'd think I was if I was 16 and I'd go and speak to someone they'd think I was like 10 years old and it'd be like okay why why are you asking this question why he's being to me I can remember when hitting 18 years old like all my friends wanted to go to the pub I wanted to go but I was scared of being looked at because I looked like 14 years old and I was like drinking in a pub and like people like giving me weird looks and like asking for my ID and stuff like that and I think some of that was at the same with university like talking to girls and just going out and feeling like you just look a lot younger and I think getting all those like web development jobs I was like being treated as 
an adult, having clients, like having a business. And I felt like a lot older than going to San Francisco on my own. And I never felt kind of out of place there. I think it may have been like, so mentally, like when you're in the area where you are obviously maturing and stuff, like it's sometimes hard to, to see outside of those boots. But if you go to a fresh place, such as for you, San Francisco, I guess, it's very easy for you to start in that mentality and see it from that, I guess, narrative a lot more. Whereas if you say, for example, after you graduated, you stayed at Warwick, a job around Warwick, would it have been like different? No, no, to be honest, by like third and fourth year, I, I probably was a bit over like the height thing. I kind of like accepted it and like looking young or I just, began to not look as young for my age as I did. If you look at photos from me from first year and second year, (laughs) especially first year, I definitely looked really young. But I think towards the end of university, I started not to look as young. I probably still do look a bit young for my age, but... I don't think you did at all. In first year? Have you seen his first year pictures? In first year you did, in first year you did, but I I didn't really, like, know you in first year and stuff. But, like, fourth year, like, you didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's where, like, as you say, Hamish, if I stayed at Warwick, I wouldn't have had a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And then that was also the where I just kind of accepted, like, it's all because of my parents that I'm small. So blame <laughs> them. Honestly, I, that's the, the thing as well. Like, do you not have, I don't know if, like, your family say this, but, like, my dad sometimes, like, tells me about my height and, like, he's like, oh my gosh, you're so short. And I'm like, this is literally your fault. So yeah. I don't know why you're telling me this. <laughs> Like, I just don't understand. And when, when people come up, like, when people come up to me, they're like, oh, my gosh, you're so short. And I'm like, wow, thank you for that information. I would not have known if you didn't tell me. <laughs> this is new insight into my life. I don't know that height, I, I know that height is a really big thing for guys, but, like, I didn't realise how, how big of a thing it was until people started talking about it online. I was like, wow, it's not even something that I've ever considered. Actually, until you, when people say at uni, like, you have to be six foot, I didn't realise it was a big thing. I'm like, Okay, wait, first of all, convert foot to meters for me because I didn't grow up on this dodgy uh, measuring system. So just for those in the who, you know, use the correct measuring system, it's 1.83 meters. And yeah, basically, so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm already, I'm already at that. So what's the, what's the problem here? They're like, no, you have to be six foot. I'm like, I'm like, what? I don't get the, what, what isn't like six foot? Like, I understand in society for some reason it's wanted, but I never, I still don't know the true origin of why people need to be six foot. Like, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I don't think there's like an origin, but it's just tall and as tam said it is it is a big thing for i guess guys in general and it's, that's only because i think girls make it out to be a big thing and i'm not generalizing like not all girls i just thought like the girls always wanted the guy to be taller which is fair enough i didn't know a six foot was like a mandatory like requirement in your height that's it's always been the main thing for me like it was never like the color of my skin or being from Essex or any of that like if anything being brown skinned is sick like got half the people in Essex paying to be tanned and i get it for free so <laughs> like but yeah i don't know maybe it's just something i learned to accept like god had to make it fair on everyone else didn't he? <laughs> I, d- I don't want this to be like i'm like sad about it or anything well, it's reflective it's, we're all grown up everyone will hopefully see it as reflective and you know open-mindedly yeah it was very it was something very much that used to affect me a lot when i was younger and beginning of university like i'd be lying i still don't think about it now but it's not it's not the end of the world and also some of that's partly on me like kind of just assuming that people are gonna judge me for i don't know looking young or my height or the color of my skin when i shouldn't really assume that anyway because they might not be everyone comes from different walks of life right so hopefully people just understand that yours was different this was your a bit of your a brief story of yours i think it's i think it's also that thing of like 
when you grow up brown in different settings and people that I guess aren't brown sometimes they expect your whole identity to revolve around your skin color and like you to have like traumatic experiences about your skin color or for you to have like poignant experiences about it and for some people that is very much the case and no like I have had some experiences like that but people also need to realize that we're all different (laughs) like we all have different experiences and I think that it's like you can't just be like that brown kid like there's so much more yeah and when people like expected that of me as well to be that brown kid I just wasn't like I'm as white as a lot of white people are like I really don't know a lot about India and brown history and all that kind of stuff although I am learning like I was brought up like in a very white neighborhood Catholic all my friends were basically white so I, I didn't really have much to I guess at the beginning of uni like relate in that sense like Asian society and stuff like that just seemed really weird to me Oh, don't worry, that was weird to a lot of people anyway, regardless yeah, yeah. of whether they were from, like, you know, like, were in, intertwined with the brown culture or not. But do you think that, actually, being around more brown people and different Asian people and stuff, do you think you it made you more inquisitive about that side of you? Or not really? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm. and what what did you do like did you do anything to discover more after that did you like ask more questions or you know I didn't really ask more questions but I think just being around I just learned a lot of stuff along the way went to like I'm not Hindu but I went to like some Hindu society events because like Hamish, Yash, Aki a lot of my friends went to those kind of stuff Asian society as well like we mentioned earlier um, I had like no interest in it but I went to a few events here and there because these guys wanted to and just like doing stuff like that you just I guess learn a lot more about that that side of me I guess on those notes then we'll start with the final questions I'll start with the first one what is one word or phrase to describe yourself that's uh heart overhead that would probably be the best I think phrase I would use to describe myself. But I feel like you have two types of people in the world. People who think with their heart most of the time or people think with their head most of the time. And I think I fall very heavily on the heart side, which isn't the smartest thing all the time, but Tam, second question. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna ask. I'm just thinking about your answer. Very interesting. <laughs> okay, so the second question that we've got here is could you let us know what's on your bucket list? I'd love to know. So a bucket list is typically like things you do want to do before you die, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is more like more jokey things that I've said in the past that I'm like, I want to accomplish at some point in my life. But they're kind of like half jokes, half serious. So like the first one is be verified on Twitter or Instagram. Get that like yeah. blue tick. That's just like a person. I just, I think that'd be really cool. Other one is I want to write an autobiography. Don't care if anyone buys it. I'll just write one and it'll be like a PDF. You can self-publish, so. Yeah, I don't don't know. It depends how much money it'll cost me. And the other one is, this used to be my Twitter bio for a long time, but it was, I'll only have made it once Robbie Williams invites me to play at Soccer Aid. Mm -hmm. So that's like another personal goal. One year, I'm going to be on Soccer Aid, playing football at Old Trafford. I don't know why. Maybe this podcast will become really big and famous. And then Robbie Williams will get us up. Yeah, yeah. When, when. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they're just like free jokey ones. Oh, I love uh, that. Do you have like do you have like a series of because like I do you have like a forty before like forty list for example like I've got that and I keep adding to it. So I don't know. Gains and wifey. 
I think um, I want I want to do everything. Like there isn't anything I wouldn't. Actually, that's a lie. There are things I probably wouldn't want to do, but I feel like I'm quite open. Like there's a lot of like bucket list people normally talk about travel, right? Yeah, that's normally like a really common thing. But I'm like, you know, if someone said I would have traveled every country in the world, that's um, I'd be over the moon with that. Like it's not like, of course, I'd I'd be up for that. Do you know what I mean? And just like doing cool stuff. Lost some things on your one term. Oh, okay. Oh, I haven't thought about it. So like forty before forty, obviously like your typical things like skydiving and stuff like that. Even though I'm like shit scared of heights. Like I definitely really, really want to do. But okay, maybe that won't be on mine then. Yeah, yeah. So another thing is like I really want to write and perform a play. Like just okay. Yeah. So that's like one of my forty before forty. I really, really want to do that. And like I want to be on like not like TV for like the sake of it, but TV for doing something. You yeah. Know, like commendable. And having a proper discussion about it. And like another thing that I would really like is, I guess maybe it's not just 4440, maybe it's just in general, but like, and perhaps it goes into my like my fear of oblivion as well, wanting to have made an impact on something. So done to either like changed a piece of legislation that like that would be really cool or made an impact in an organization or on like a part of the world or on a campaign, but definitely having that on like my 4440 list. Yeah. Yeah. I think one one thing I've always said and I've said in like quite a lot of like interviews is I want to change the world. And I th- I know a lot of people say that, but I don't mean it in like maybe the sense that they kind of intend. But I think you can do something small and s- still claim that you've changed the world. Like even if you've changed the life of maybe one person for the better and i don't mean like oh giving birth to someone or marrying someone and making their life better or something like that i mean like i don't know how i mean at the moment but i don't think you need to necessarily like cure cancer to be able to say you've changed the world i think you can do something like really small and still be able to say it definitely i think it's right whether it's in a conversation whether it's an act of service or whether it's through a project that you've been a part of when you've impacted someone's life you have changed the world because you've impacted that person's life and yeah. they've gone on and they've done something differently and you never know what it is that you've done that has achieved that so in in effect our life is a series of these small interactions with different people that are changing the world we don't realize how much impact we have on a day-to-day basis yeah yeah for sure sure and the third and final question is what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience if any and you know the drill not on the podcast yeah well for me it could actually be in a podcast if because I, I feel like i've third wheeled you on a podcast a few times what the um, fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um i think I'm, 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 I'm gonna change it slightly and be like uh more of, it's not happened yet but in the friend group back home, me and this one other mate of mine, we were the two single ones. And since lockdown, he has found himself a girlfriend. So this is more of a future event that I can see coming in the future, um, which is going to be very awkward and a bit something I've not been used to before in this group. But I will be the only single one there unless something dramatically changes soon. So yeah, that, that's that's going to be a pretty memorable, memorable and probably awkward experience for me although actually no i won't make i'm not i don't think i'll make it awkward i'll probably make a joke of it at the near the beginning and then then i'll make it awkward um yeah so that, that'll probably be 
that's what springs to mind you know both of you like I can set you up with people like I mentioned it before like I can very much do that please put your list of criteria out to me you can email it or you can dm it whatever it is and I can tell them our cvs on the podcast yeah I can can share your cvs thank you we we make it a bit like we're really like sad and lonely and we just we're we're fine you know Ross from friends when he's like I'm fine you Uh, can see the tear rolling down Aaron's face yeah it's fine uh yeah let, let, let's move on let's move on yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but tam's friends if you're listening you know links in the description <laughs> to my insta and Twitter. <laughs> i've got some very very lovely single friends that i'm sure would be your type don't worry if you're gonna come on the podcast i don't i don't know if you should uh, invite a potential like a love interest onto the podcast yeah yeah no because i know a lot of people would never have someone they're interested on on like a podcast with them i've i've made the mistake of trying but i know it wouldn't be a good idea yeah oh yeah i'd, I'd advise against you yeah. in hindsight it was silly it was heart overhead Sam, transition next. Section. Yeah, no, I mean I can transition. <laughs> the questions are sort of done. <laughs> so, all up. yeah, I guess is yeah. Sorry, I just need to get over that because that's quite yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on. So that was an interesting future third wheeling experience, I guess. So next is usually usually Aaron or Hamish do this, but I'm going to be doing this. Is saying what is who is one person that you want to come on the podcast so put them out as a challenge so you guys can message them or at them and you can bring them on have a conversation and potentially not one of your love interests yeah no 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 well potentially love interest i've I've thought about this one for a long time and i'm gonna call out rahul pai to (laughs) cover the podcast i remember the last conversation we had he was like don't worry conway i'll i'll come on the podcast at some point and this is without me even asking him so now i'm now i'm asking him and also boss man from millennium balti i'll call him out too and we can talk about when he uh, called me a white boy for having a chicken tikka masala. So there's that to look forward to. Next section is a shout out. So is there anything you'd like to shout out or anyone that you'd like to shout out? Um, now's your chance. Aaron, you know the drill, so you can go first. Um, I'm going to shout out a movie I watched fairly recently. And it's on Netflix. It's called The Climb. And it's actually a French film. So you do have to read the subtitles. But it's about a... I'm just reading like the bio here. It's a it's about a young Senegalese French man who sets out to climb Mount Everest to impress the woman that he loves. And um it was just a really funny thing. And to be honest, it kind of reminded me of myself. So um <laughs> it was basically like going out with this girl, then he joked about like how he'd climb Mount Everest for her because she wasn't too sure about him. And then she was like, as a joke, like, haha, go on then. So the next thing he does, he just goes on like an expedition to climb Mount Everest and then he becomes like pretty famous in like the uh, French media and stuff like that. But it's really funny how they've done it. It's like a comedy. But yeah, it's on Netflix. Recommend. Um, time on your show. Mine is also, uh, not a, it's not a film, it's a show and it's called I May Destroy You and it's on iPlayer. Okay, yeah. And it's uh, written and partially directed and stars and Michaela Cole. So she also wrote Chewing Gum. If you haven't seen Chewing Gum, check that out. That's another piece of work that she does. And it's very different. That's like a more sitcom piece. And this is one of the most vibrant shows I have seen. 
and just like you know trigger warning you know it does talk about sexual assault um and and display it but in the way that it like portrays London it is one of the most accurate portrayals of London that I've seen in terms of race in terms of the events that are happening and in in also sexual assault I think a lot of people will relate to it as well with their own experiences that they've been through and how traumatizing that experience is but also how every individual has a story and they do two episodes a week on Monday they release it so it's like a 10 part series and they're doing it quite slow and I think what's beautiful in the way that they're doing that is almost it gives you time to absorb the story it gives you time to reflect upon it and it gives you time to understand it rather than just going next episode next episode next episode and yeah I really think that everyone should watch it I may destroy you iPlayer and my shout is going to be for a YouTube channel called Caleb City basically just those two to three minute skits of random things and it's it puts a really funny spin to it and I would definitely recommend it. Um, I'll leave the link in the description. I'm sure there's anything that you could relate to even in the... And you just give it a watch. And then basically you'll end up watching like 20 of the videos. This person's got like millions of followers and millions of views per skits. You've probably seen it maybe around as a meme somewhere on like social media. But this person is really good at these short comedy sketches. And there's pretty much no one in this video but himself. He just acts out other characters and everything. So yeah, I definitely recommend giving Caleb City a watch. And... Yeah, on that note, yeah, this episode's over. So happy birthday, Aaron. My gift for you is arriving shortly, if it hasn't arrived already. Um, <laughs> okay. My, my birthday is 7th of July, by the way, if anyone listening thinks it's my birthday today. So you don't yeah, have People started wishing me on the Sunday. I'm like, no, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or on the Monday, I'm like, no, yeah. no. <laughs> um, and I just... had to wait till Facebook told me it was your birthday, hey, Mish. I was like, okay, so then I'll wish him one. Thank you, Tam, for co-hosting in my place. been an excellent host, can I just say. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I love finding stuff out about you as well, Aaron. I thought it was very enlightening. Yeah, ho- hopefully all good. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, we're, all, we're, all good now. we're all good now. I know yeah. that you don't hate me, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not outroing this, so I'll leave that, leave that to you. Yeah, Tam, do you want to do the final pleasure of this? No. Okay, fair. <laughs> and basically, on that note, Thanks for watching, everyone. Hope you have a good day. Make sure you wish Aaron happy birthday. And sadly, there's no stripper story that's going to come out this year because, yeah. But I'm hoping there's a good enough story that comes from it anyways. So see you, t- see you next week. Yep, see you guys. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. I'll just make you cry. And I don't want to fight with you.